The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. I'm Laura. I'm an intern this year. I'm 22. Um, I graduated last spring, like she said, in anthropology and geography, um, and I minored in international studies. I'm one of those kids that got one of the in cups as a freshman outside of um, Lander Hall when it was a yucky old building. And um, I didn't really do all that much. I would come every week and I would run away afterwards because I was scared of talking to people. Um, and it wasn't until junior year, um, spring break, that I signed up for the DR. And I met Emily, and I met Taylor, and all these other awesome people. Um, and that was just kind of like the first step into my senior year and just overloading myself with everything possible to sign up. Um, like everyone's been saying, so many great things to sign up for. and. Um, yeah, I recommend it to everybody. So tonight, I have some pictures to show you. Um, there's my family. There's my dad, Gustavo, and my mom, Gabriella, and my little brother, Nick, who was, he had a perfectly spherical head when he was a baby. <laughs> and you can't really tell on that one because I'm squishing him. But And, I'm, and it's OK for me to say that because he's not here tonight. But my parents are. They're in the back. If you guys want to practice your Spanish. You should go talk to them. Um, and yeah, they're awesome. My family is so great. Um, I really learned so much about working hard and putting others first and sacrificing things. Um, those are all lessons that I've learned from my parents. Um, and they've just been so supportive of me over the years. Um, an example of this support goes way back to my early years um, and my love of dressing up. Um, <laughs> So there's just a couple of those things. I don't even know. Old lady, clown, dad's clothes, and spicy Latina lady like I am. So I think that's what, that, what I was going for. Even then, I knew, you know, deep down. But um, anyways, other than this, there are some things you guys should know about me. Um, first is I love miniature things like, like, you know, the sound people make when they see a baby or a puppy, I make that about like a tiny cup or like a mini stapler. I have on my desk right now at the office, I have this little mini file cabinet with two little drawers that I don't use, but it just sits there and it's really cute. And there's a little mini pumpkin on top of it. And it just makes me happy to look at them. And I love many things. And um, secondly, I love puzzles, like Janie said. Um, probably my favorite pastime. Um, this winter break, I made 15 puzzles at home. There's a 16th still just sitting on the table. And my mom has been gracious enough to move it and not tear it apart. <laughs> um, so I'll finish that soon. But um, yeah, if there's a puzzle in your house that's unfinished, I will find it. And I will spend at least 20 minutes on it and probably miss every social interaction going on because I focus like none other on puzzles. Um, and then lastly, 
and probably least relatable to most of you, is my love of organizing things and writing lists and crossing things off of those lists and writing in my planner and color coding and alphabetizing um, and sorting like repetitive things like sorting the puzzle pieces before I start a puzzle or sorting colored beads. I actually did that for five hours this winter break and I loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it. I watched Harry Potter at the same time and it was probably one of the best parts of the break because it was, <laughs> that sounded really bad. It was just very relaxing and that's exactly what I needed. So yeah. Anyway, now that we've crossed that bridge, um, let's talk about tonight. Um, I'm so excited to get to be up here and get to continue the series um, of failure that we've been looking at the past couple weeks. Um, we've been looking through the book of Jonah, and we've heard from um, Ryan Church and Ryan Andrews in the last two weeks. And kind of to catch you guys up if you haven't been around, pretty much we meet this guy who's from Israel, and he tries to run away from God when he's asked to preach in this cruel city of Nineveh. There's a little map of Joppa, I think is how you pronounce that. And he runs away and he gets on a boat on a boat to Tarshish. There's lots of SHs there. He tries to run away from God because he does not want to go to Nineveh. It's this great, cruel city um, that's the enemy of Israel. And um, so, yeah, he gets on this boat. He um, encounters a storm and he's thrown overboard and swallowed by a giant fish. And after three days and nights, um, he finally prays to God, and the fish spits him out on dry land. And that is where we pick up tonight. Um, but before we continue, let's take a minute and pray. God, thank you so much for tonight and for every person in this room. Um, I just pray that we will be open to whatever it is that you have to share with us. And I just thank you for this place. Um, for what it's meant for me in the past four years, and um, just that it's a place where we can come together and worship you and learn something new about you and um, just see how you're at work in other people's lives um, and just find out more ways to, to grow closer to you and grow in our relationship with you. And I just pray for tonight that you will um, just overwhelm me and just take over this whole thing um, and calm my nerves and just speak through me and, um, yeah, just have our eyes open to um, seeing the ways that you are at work right now. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, so let's start by taking a look at the text. Uh, there it is. So then the word of Lord of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Okay, let's pause there. Um, so this time, Jonah obeys the Lord. He gets up, he goes to Nineveh, this exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And when I read that, I was like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. So I looked it up, and um, pretty much it means one day equates to walking 12 miles, um, so meaning that Nineveh was around 36 miles wide, 
which means it took it would take three days to cross it by foot. Um, so to put that in perspective for us, Lake Washington, if you're at the north tip and you're walking around the trail going to the south tip, that's roughly-ish 36 miles. Um, so what's important here is that Jonah goes in a full day's journey. Um, he's taking this seriously. He's not just barely crossing the edge of the city. He goes a full 12 miles in. Um, the other thing that I didn't know much about was the meaning of putting on sackcloth. Um, and I learned that it refers to a sign of repentance and humility that's often made of coarse black goat's hair. And it's a public display of the rejection of earthly comforts and pleasures. Um, and we're told that from the greatest of them to the least of them, they fasted and put on sackcloth. So let's keep that in mind as we keep going with the rest of the story. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call mightily out to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God, when God heard that and God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Okay, did you guys catch that? The two extremes that are going on right now? We have this incredible miracle, um, uh, this very unique, unique miracle of an entire city repenting um, in response to a stranger, an enemy, um, and his preaching to the city. Um, this wicked city that was full of people who were cruel, idolatrous, proud, and ruthless. From the greatest of them to the least of them, even down to the animals, they fast and repent. They turn from their evil way, and God relents. God extends his grace and saves all of Nineveh. So this is this miraculous reality that's happening right now. And then on the other side, we have Jonah's response, which is angry and bitter and disappointed. Um, and basically, he's just realizing that this expectation that he had for this outcome um, is not happening from what he went and did in the city. Um, he wanted destruction of his enemies which he felt justified after all of these years of cruelty um, against his people. All of Nineveh deserved death. They deserved destruction. Um, and what's crazy about this, what we're able to see as kind of outsiders, is that Jonah's reaction and his bitterness blinds him from this reality, this miracle that's going on in front of him, from the salvation of an entire city um, that's going on right in front of his face. Um, because of his anger, he's unable to rejoice in this miracle of salvation. And he reacts this way because he's not fully open to what God is, is doing, for what his plan is. Um, he's not actually surrendering to God's will in this situation. As much as he obeys and he goes to Nineveh and he walks a full day, um, these 12 miles, he is still holding on to his expectation of what he thinks should happen. And... I think this totally relates to my life and I think to all of our lives because how often do we hold on to our desire for control, um, to the expectations that we create 
about the outcome of something, like a relationship in our life, like our living situation, or our performance on something, in a class, um, even on the ways that we expect God to show up in our lives in certain situations. And when reality doesn't match up to what we have pictured in our head, how do we respond? Um, I imagine that a lot of us, like Jonah, we react with anger, with disappointment, with dissatisfaction. Um, maybe it even leads us to question God's goodness. Like, if you love me, God, why aren't you here? Why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you fixing this situation or this health problem? And I think it's just because of the thing that we wanted that isn't happening the way we wanted or when we wanted it, or even at all, um, we just turn that and focus it on how God is wrong or God is somehow lacking understanding of our situation. And I guess I want to share with you guys a little bit about one of the greatest, hardest, most challenging, most amazing experiences that God has ever blessed me with. Um, And that took place last summer on World Deputation. I got to go to Montenegro and spend time with some teenagers at a Roma refugee camp. Um, And the Roma, or gypsies, are a group of people that are very marginalized and hated by pretty much most of Eastern Europe. Um, And there's the top one is our team, Jeremy and Ben and Nigel. And then the bottom is us and then some of the kids from the camp. So signing up for DEP, I didn't know that's where I was going or that's who I was going with or what I was going to be doing or anything. Um, And you guys know, I told you before, I'm like weirdly obsessed with planning out my life and knowing what's coming next. And so just the whole process of deputation challenged me in that and forced me to let go of this desire of control um, that I have in most of my life. And um, it was just, it was really cool because when we found out where we were going, we didn't even know how to pronounce the name of it or where it was on the map. So that's where it is, if you guys want to know. It's right next to Albania and Croatia and Serbia and all those places. Um, And it's actually really pretty. Not the city we were in, but (laughs) the mountains and the coast are really pretty. So if you ever get to go, you should go. Bless you. Um, So let me find my spot again, because I kind of lost it. Oh, we were also the first team to go to Montenegro. So we really had no background story or or real way of preparing through past deputations, deputies um, that had gone. But I had heard a lot of things about deputation in general from friends that had gone. Um, Just that it was this incredible experience, it was their best summer ever, that um, it changed their life. And so even though I knew close to nothing about the place I was going to or what I was going to be doing, I knew that it was going to be a transformative summer. Um, And the problem with that was that without really realizing, I was setting these very specific expectations in my mind of what that was going to look like. Um, Things like that I would come out of it with lifelong friendships. That it would, this, this full two month period would be this spiritual experience of reading the Bible and praying and just feeling God's Spirit at all times and just 
ridiculous to think of two full months going like that. And then also just the specific expectation that these kids that were there, that I would get to play a specific role in some kind of change in their life. And because I was expecting and hoping for such a dramatic experience, when we got there, I was incredibly underwhelmed because there was little to no structure to our days. Um, communicating with people was mostly like hand motions and pointing at things. Um, English was like a distant past that we didn't get to practice very much other than just with ourselves. And um, really most of the time was spent waiting, waiting for our host to call us or show up at our apartment, um, waiting for the kids to call us screaming to go to the river, or waiting for the kids to get tired so that we could make the 40-minute walk home from the river and go eat or go take a nap and not speak to anybody because we were so tired. So that's the river right there. And um, the pictures of the road, they look like they're facing the same place, but they're actually facing the two different ways from the same spot. So you can see how long the road was one way and then the other way. Um, and so, yeah, pretty much at least like four times a week we would walk to the river and back. And then other than that, we had English lessons that we would teach four days a week. Um, and that was kind of the one constant thing that we had and we could kind of try to prepare for. Um, but we really had no clear direction of what those should look like. And we often left those just feeling exhausted and frustrated because it was hard to see any kind of progress or anything like that. Um, so overall, it just wasn't really what I had expected. And the funny thing is, is that before leaving Seattle, or even during the beginning of the trip, I would have claimed, I have no expectations. I'm so ready for whatever God has planned, and I'm ready to go. Um, that I was ready for anything. And I really believed that. And I don't think it, that it was until I was in the middle of that experience that I recognized what my expectations actually were. And um, there were a lot of moments where I, I, I had multiple breakdowns um, and I cried a lot. And um, sorry, Tep is great, guys. Um, <laughs> I'll come back to that. But I, there were a lot of moments where I was like, what am I doing here? Like, I see no success coming from these English classes. I can barely communicate with these kids. Um, I'm tired. I don't, I don't get the point of us being here and making this long walk every day. Anybody could be doing this. Like, why, what is the point of me being here? I reacted bitterly um, for a lot of it because I just couldn't see the purpose for our team being there, for me personally being there. Um, I think I was just so focused on what I wanted those two months to look like and my specific contribution to these kids' lives to look like in those two months that, like Jonah, I was blinded from the way that God was actually at work and blessing our time there and using our strengths and our gifts to just have a good time with these kids. Um, while I was waiting for this dramatic, life-changing moment, God was providing in a very different way than I expected. And um, it just, it surprised me. And once I finally caught on to that and realized that our role there was simply to just show up and love these kids. 
um, to be their friends and join them in, ev- in their everyday lives, in going to the river, in playing soccer, in throwing rocks at a bucket. Like, that, that is what we were there to do, to continuously show up even though we couldn't really communicate with them. And <clears throat> to treat them in a way that most of their society doesn't treat them. Um, and yeah, it like how I was thinking that I would go in and I would have this huge impact and I'm here to save these kids or to show them the love of Jesus. Yeah, I was doing that. And, and we got to do that in much simpler ways than I had pictured in my mind. Um, but it wasn't about us going in there and saving them or teaching them how to pray or telling them about Jesus for the first time. Um, we were there to be witnesses, to discover how God had already been at work in that place and how he was using us during those eight weeks and how he would continue to be there after we were gone. And yeah, hanging out with teenagers and going to a river every day doesn't sound like a glamorous, life-changing experience. Um, And especially according to what we picture as mission trips or what we define as serving others. Um, And definitely in terms of what I was expecting. Um, But God's plan was so much bigger than this very specific expectation that I had in my mind. And through that summer, I learned so much about myself, about the character of Jesus, about just what it actually means to go on a mission trip or to be on mission. And that's to surrender ourselves and to be open to the ways that God is already at work, to the ways that God is using us and everybody around us already. That's not our job. That's God's job. And we're, we're just there to take that in and to share in the hope of that. And I'm using this big example of a two-month-long mission trip that took my whole summer. But I think that this idea of surrendering our expectations and desires connects to our everyday life. Um, even at the smaller scale of little frustrations like the weather or our grade on a test or our car breaking down. Um, the easy and quick way to react to this is usually to be annoyed, to be pissed off and bitter. Um, <clears throat> and I believe that still at the smaller scale, it can still blind us from the little miracles that are going on around us. Like the opportunity to just, to just slow down and walk somewhere, or to have an awesome conversation with a new friend, or just to be reminded that we're at this awesome university, and we get to walk through this gorgeous campus every day. Um, and just to be reminded that God has provided in the past. We've gone through hard things in our past, and yet we're here right now. We've probably all been at a spot where we're like, this is it. Like, I give up. There's, there's no more from here. Like, this is the worst day of my life. And yet, there have been so many days since then. And we're in this room right now. And we're in community. And that is awesome in itself. And um, yeah, so I guess just remembering that God has provided in the past and we can trust that he continues to do so now. And the good news is that God is so much bigger than any of our little or big frustrations or disappointments. Oops. Sorry. Um, and we, this whole idea of completely surrendering to God is not something that we need to do on our own, that we need to figure out 
how to do a certain something or fix ourselves so that then God will love us. Like Emily was saying, like he is with us through the ups and the downs. He was with Jonah in his disappointment as much as he was in the salvation of this entire city. And it's true, like people and things may fail us. We may fail ourselves and the expectations that we have of ourselves. Um, but through the story, we're reminded that God's grace and love never does. And that's, there's so much truth to that promise. So for some of you, this may be something that you heard before or something, maybe that you're just hearing in a new way or being reminded of. Um, what I really wanted to do was to not just leave it here, but um, <clears throat> kind of connect it to how this applies to us specifically, individually, how, um, like, what can I do as a young adult today? What can we do as college students? Fill in the blank, whatever that is. Um, and I think what I've been learning recently is just how important um, prayer is in our relationship with God and our personal growth. And just the way that it allows for us to shift the focus from ourselves and turn it towards God and focus on praising him for what he is doing and thanking him for the things that we do get to be joyful of and ask him for help in, in the hard situations. Um, and so I guess my encouragement for everyone is rather than praying for a specific outcome, what if we pray for preparation? for preparation for whatever is coming next, um, for us to be truly open to God's will, to be aware of his presence. We, I feel like so often we pray, God, please, please come to this and be present in this. He's already there. What we should be praying for, what we should be focusing on is asking for our eyes to be open to that and to engage with that and receive that. Because his love and his presence is with us right now. It's right with you guys at this very moment. And um, yeah, just to be reminded that um, he's always at work, even through the rough times. His desire is to redeem and to come alongside us. And just prayer to let go of our expectations and for our will to be transformed by his. And when we do face those tough moments, what if we pray for our response to be glorifying to God? For his help in recognizing what that even looks like um, by inviting him into it. Instead of reacting with bitterness and disappointment and trying to justify that, what if we ask for our eyes to be open to the blessings in the reality that's right in front of us? Um, through preparing for this talk, I felt really convicted to examine my own prayer life and my expectations for tonight. Um, and I realized that I was trying to hold on to the desire of being liked and being funny and for people to come up afterwards and say, Laura, you did a great job. And just recognizing that served as an example of how constantly I refuse to surrender so many parts of my life to God. And because this night is not about me. This isn't about me phrasing things perfectly or 
not shaking and my heartbeat being at a normal pace. It's about getting to share about God. And yeah, tonight is about God and what he is doing and what he wants to share with you guys. And I just feel blessed to be able to be up here and use my story as a way of of sharing with you um, how he's shown up in my life. And through preparing for this talk, I've learned so much from this chapter in Jonah. And I can't even tell you how these last two weeks have been so full of life. And so, I don't know, just they've been the best two weeks on the job so far because um, every morning I've been trying to apply this, this thing that I'm trying to share with you guys. I've been like, okay, every morning I'm going to surrender the state of God. This is yours. What if, we, what if we all, every morning, we were just like, God, this is your day, and do with me what you will. Um, and I can share that it's, it's really been an incredible shift that I've been feeling and a change in, in just the way that, I don't know. Now I don't know what I'm saying. But it's just been awesome. And, um, and I guess, yeah, God is using us all in such special ways. And I truly believe that by making these prayers or just focusing our attention on him more rather than our own desire to fulfill whatever we hold responsibility for. If we invite him into that and we make that a daily routine and daily practice, we can start to be a lot more in tune with what God is doing. And I know you're all probably thinking, okay, Laura, come on. I'm in college. I need to prepare. I need to be thinking ahead. I'm a freshman, I need to be thinking about what these next four years are going to look like. I need to start thinking about a major. Or I'm a sophomore, I need to decide my major and apply for it right now and get into it, otherwise I'm screwed. Or I'm a junior and I need to find the internship that will get me this experience that I need for afterwards. Or I'm a senior and I'm about to graduate and what the heck am I doing after that? And you guys are right. Like, there's... Yes, yes, those are such valid things. And I, and I think that God wants that. He wants us to plan for that. He wants us to dream big and to set goals for ourselves. He's given us these passions and gifts and strengths and talents and all of these things. And he wouldn't have if there wasn't a purpose for that. And <clears throat> I lost my spot again. And I think what's important is while we're making these plans, while we're thinking ahead to the future... Um, if, we're, if we can recognize that there will always be differences between the picture in our heads and what actually happens. And the thing is that when we set our sights on the Lord, those differences can become... He can shift our mindset and our perspective, and we can see those as opportunities and blessings rather than disappointments. Um, and yeah, he gives, us, he gives us eyes to see these things. And he gives us a heart that is transformed by his will for us and his purpose and his plan for us. And you guys, God is so faithful. And Jonah's story shows us just that. Um, that his plan surpasses anything that we can come up with on our own. That he is as present in the salvation of this great city as he is in Jonah's disappointment and anger. And 
I want to end tonight with um, just referencing this sermon that George Himmon from the big church gave um, back in September. Um, he talked about the certainty and mystery of God. And that has come up in my head so many times since then. And it's, I just, sorry, I just think it's awesome. And I wanted to share with you because he speaks, he spoke of certainty as walking in sure hope of the Holy Spirit, which I think connects to tonight um, and our, this idea of expectations, because the one thing that we can expect and we can be assured of is the truth in God's promises, that he's with us, that he loves us, that he, he has something amazing for each one of us. And George spoke of mystery as walking in humility, recognizing that we are not God. We are witnesses to his goodness and to his glory. So let's ask God to help us shift our focus from ourselves to him and um, to just surrender these expectations that we have that we that often end up failing us, these failed expectations. Let's just ask for his help in shifting that perspective and for open eyes and an awareness to um, just see his work in our lives. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you've done in our past that has given us an example of how faithful and how awesome and how loving you are, Lord. And I pray that we can hold on to that in moments of uncertainty and disappointment and confusion and anger. Um, Lord, I just pray that we'll be able to surrender each day to you and trust that you are with us and that you are at work. And um, we just pray for an awareness to to be more open, to have open eyes to see that, and um, to be willing to surrender to you, Lord. And we pray in your name. Amen.